Gut care is self-care. Dr. Vincent Pedre. She used to deliver babies, but now she delivers exceptional wellness for women. Welcome to her brilliant health radio, where holistic women's health expert and board-certified OBGYN Dr. Kieran Dunstan shares revolutionary insight from leading experts on what you need to know today to treat the root cause of disease, heal, and create the radiant health you've been searching for. Lean in and get ready to experience the bountiful, blissful, and beautiful vitality that you deserve. Hey, it's Dr. Kieran. Welcome back to another episode of Her Brilliant Health Revolution. So I was recently scrolling through my phone and I was catching up on the latest news and I came across this familiar face, which was really weird to see it in my phone. And I realized it was my friend, Dr. Vincent Pedre, who's my guest today. So he was holding two avocados, looking really serious, one in each hand. And the headline said something like, Eliminate this food forever for better gut health. So I had to click and check it out, right? So it took me to one of the best videos I've seen about gut health. Maybe you've seen this video that explained why gut health is really the center of your health, literally and figuratively, in plain English, right? It was such a great explanation for everybody. And he explained why there are certain actions you must take to heal your gut. And these are things you're not going to learn in your regular doctor's office, folks. People ask me all the time, why doesn't my regular doctor tell me this stuff? Because they don't know, and they don't know what they don't know. And I don't blame them, because I practiced that way for years. When you know better, you do better. That's what Oprah always says, and I love that. So these are things you want to know, things you need to know. That's why I do this podcast. If you've got any health problems, it doesn't matter what it is, you name it, weight, fatigue, pain, autoimmune disease, whatever it is, then whether you have gut symptoms or not, know that you have gut issues and they just may be silent and they need to be addressed for your gut to heal. Gut is really the seat of inflammation. We're going to talk about that. And for you to lose weight, increase your energy and have the brilliant health that you really do deserve and can have you have to decrease inflammation and you've got to heal your gut. In this episode, Vincent says, the gut is the root system of the body, like the roots of a tree. It's where all your nutrients get absorbed. And I love that visual picture. Most people don't realize that your gut is your most intimate relationship that you have in life, right? We think it's sexual intimacy, right? But it's really the intimacy with the food that you eat because you're taking the external environment, you're putting it inside your body, you're breaking it down into its building blocks, and then you're reassembling it to become you, your muscles, your joints, your nerves, right? There's no more intimate relationship. And so you got to get this one right. You got to get good gut intimacy in order for your gut to be healthy. And it's not only certain foods you shouldn't eat, but there's so many things that we're getting in our bodies that we're not aware of in our water, in our food. So many things that can damage our gut and our gut really needs our help. It's just crying out for our help. These chronic health conditions that we're having are really associated with that. And I have a quote that I say in this episode, we've abdicated our responsibility to healthcare providers and come to believe that it's the doctor who fixes me with a drug. If that's you, stop it, right? Do not abdicate your power to a clinician 
Take your power back, educate yourself on what you need to know, and take control of your health. Your body will thank you with energy, vitality, and just feeling great in your skin. You really do have the power to change your health and change your life. So I'm so excited to introduce you to Dr. Vincent Pedre. I'll tell you a little bit more about him, and then we'll get started. Dr. Vincent Pedre is an internist, functional medicine certified doctor. He's an out-of-the-box thinker, founder of a successful practice in New York City since 2004, where he has helped thousands of patients in his career. He's my go-to gut expert and author of the best-selling book, Happy Gut, the cleansing program to help you lose weight, gain energy, and eliminate pain. Dr. Vincent is a bridge able to eloquently meld together different perspectives integrating holistic approaches with Western medicine. He is a popular media expert and has been featured on The Martha Stewart Show, The Early Show on CBS, Healthy Living on ABC News, The Functional Forum, and is a recurring expert on Sirius XM's Doctor Radio Show. Welcome, Dr. Pedre. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you. It's my pleasure. And we've just been catching up on because you are in New York City where the COVID virus is very active. So if you want to give everyone an update about how you're doing there, I think they'd really appreciate that. Well, other than going a little stir crazy with the quarantine. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, I, I feel like New Yorkers have really pulled through and you can see the the spirit of the city and the amount of cooperation there's been in terms of social distancing. You know, not everyone's wearing masks as they should, but I would say that the majority of people are. And the supermarkets are being careful about keeping some social distance between people. But I think one of the the most beautiful things is the 7 p.m. cheer for our first-line healthcare workers that happens every day. And people, it's just been getting bigger and bigger. It started small in my neighborhood, and now people go to their windows with pots and pans and start banging and cheering. And some people come out of the, the, uh, there's a street that has a lot of brownstones, and people go out on their stoops and start cheering and yelling. And it's just a testament to to the spirit of New York, but I know it didn't start here. It started in other parts of the world. And I think it, it just shows that, I mean, I think if anything, this virus has shown that the world is wide and big and, and full of varied cultures, but we are all united in some way. I love that. It is so true. We are all united and all connected. And I, to me, that's the bigger message about this virus. It really is showing us all how intimately connected we are. And in all this chaos and devastation, I think that is kind of a beautiful nugget you know, celebrating that I think is vital. And I think it really relates to what we're going to talk about today, which is gut health and how it relates to your overall health, which wasn't something as a traditionally trained medical doctor that I learned. And most patients I find are very surprised to learn how central 
their gut health is to their overall health. And so the part is really connected to the whole in our bodies, just like the part in our country or our city or our state is connected to the whole of our world, our global citizenship. So I think it's very applicable to talk about gut health. Would you agree? Yeah. And I like to think of the gut as the root system of the body. And just like the roots of a tree, that's where all your nutrients get absorbed. And so it's really fascinating that I could have never imagined that I would have ended up being an expert on gut health and being so fascinated by the digestive system. Because when I was in my training, the gut never seemed that I'm going to use the word sexy to me, (laughs) you know, it was more like, you know, the heart seemed really cool and the lungs and how the liver worked, but you never, you know, you thought kind of like, yeah, the gut, like food goes through, it gets absorbed (laughs) and it wasn't given that much importance, but I think it's because traditional medical education didn't give nutrition that much importance either. Right. Yeah, I agree with you that the gut was not sexy when we learned about it in med school. It was just, you know, the tube where your food went in and it just wasn't. And your poop comes out. And your poop comes (laughs) out. It was not not a sexy organ or system. And so, you know, fast forward a couple decades for me and, and some time for you as well. And Two decades. <laughs> Two decades, right? And it is sexy AF. <laughs> you know, the gut, it's all about the gut. You know, everything starts in the gut. And so I love for people to hear about our journeys as to how we discovered these truths of functional medicine and how we figured out what the body actually needs to heal rather than just putting Band-Aids with pharmaceuticals and keeping you on medication. So can you share a little bit about your journey? Yeah. I mean, I think ultimately I've always been a truth seeker. And I think because I'm a truth seeker and pay attention to my intuition, I was never satisfied. I never thought that what I was being taught was everything. So I was looking, always looking for the what else, especially because I grew up in a house where there was kind of like, even though we weren't, we didn't quite know how to be the healthiest, but there was a desire to learn it. There was a desire to learn about nutrition and granted, you know, there was a lot of misinformation back in the 80s, you know, growing up in the 80s with fat was villainized and sugar just kind of slipped in with all those fat-free cookies and stuff and you thought you were doing well. So there was definitely, you know, having to work through some misinformation from the sugar industry and whatnot. But there was always a desire to learn what was going on. And for me, kind of one of the driving forces was that I had been very sick as a child uh, during my teenage years. I got pharyngitis, uh, sinusitis, pneumonias, bronchitis, over and over. And I was put on so many courses of antibiotics. And I don't know if you remember this, but back in the 80s, pre-HIV and AIDS epidemic, it was was kind of... uh, at least where I grew up, they would use gamma globulin shots if you weren't clearing an infection. And because my immune system never seemed, 
I mean, I would get sick for weeks. So I would end up getting gamma globulin shots if I wasn't responding to an antibiotic. And I always felt better. Now, the thing is, looking back, what did they do? They destroyed my gut microbiome with antibiotics. I developed leaky gut or increased intestinal permeability that allowed me to then become immunologically sensitive to the two biggest food groups in my diet, wheat and dairy. And that was weakening my immune system because 70% of your immune system is all along your gut lining. So it was fighting a constant battle along my gut. So it could not pay attention to viruses and infections coming in through my airways. So my, my desire as I was a pre-med and then going to medical school was I just wanted to figure out why do I get sick so often? I mean, obviously I wasn't, I didn't have like a severe immunodeficiency, but I wanted to figure out, okay, how can I not be next to the person who's sick and then get sick? So that was kind of like my desire and that desire and always my curiosity to find natural ways for healing is what ultimately, after I trained in internal medicine here in New York at Mount Sinai Hospital, led me to functional medicine. And it was, it was kind of interesting how I ended up in functional medicine because I actually first did a, as a, after I finished my residency, I had been doing yoga meditation throughout medical school and residency. And it was kind of like my, speaking of root, that was kind of like the way I grounded myself and dealt with the stress of the hospital work. And so doing yoga opened my mind to the idea of energy and chi and flow. And that led me to study medical acupuncture. And medical acupuncture opened my eyes to looking at the body. And you'll understand this as a, as a doctor trained in Western medicine, that as an internal medicine doctor, you start looking at the body as segmented pieces of the whole. So, I mean, we would walk down the aisle when we were rounding in the hospital and we would call, oh, that's the heart patient. That's the liver. That's the lungs. And it was like, we completely dehumanized people. Like, no, they were whole, but we were treating them as they were just the thing they came in for. And what yoga, doing a yoga teacher training got me to start looking at the whole body as how people are breathing, holding their body in space. And then doing medical acupuncture made me start thinking of the body as an interrelated whole rather than isolated systems. And after I finished my training in medical acupuncture, I was looking for something else because I wanted to go even more in depth. And I always admired Deepak Chopra, Andrew Weil, Dr. Mark Hyman. And that finally landed me in functional medicine because functional medicine made sense because it treats the body as a system, not as divided pieces of a whole, but as pieces that make up a whole. That's how I ended up there. And behind that, I mean, I, I didn't quite say it, but my gut health was completely destroyed by all those antibiotics I had been on. And I suffered from IBS even in, in medical school and thereafter. And I had a very unpredictable digestive system. And for a while, I just thought, well, I have IBS, you know, so you trained in Western medicine, you think I have this diagnosis 
and this is how my body is going to be for the rest of my life. And what I discovered through functional medicine is my gut microbiome was completely disordered. I had been eating the wrong things. I changed my diet. I started eating organic vegetables and cooking more at home and taking probiotics. I'm eating prebiotic foods and completely rehabilitated my gut microbiome, healed my gut and saw that what I thought was a lifetime of having to deal with gut issues was not a lifetime sentence that I could actually heal my gut. And as a result of removing wheat and gluten and, and dairy from the diet, I found that I had a, a burst of energy. My mental clarity became, you know, sometimes things you don't even realize are going on in the background. But you know, as a doctor, you know, and, and it's always, it's funny because some of my motivation is just so I can be more, have more stamina, be able to be more alert throughout the day. And those were some of the things that motivated me to, to figure this out. But because of that, I was able to really start helping a lot of patients with their health issues and learned how central the gut is to so many other health issues that you think wouldn't be related to your gut health, but are. Yeah, so thank you for sharing that. I, I just think it's very instructional. I don't even know if that's a word for people to hear our journeys because then they always are asking me, why doesn't my regular doctor tell me these things? Why doesn't my regular doctor know these things? And so my answer always is that those of us who practice this type of medicine were usually pushed by pain because we couldn't find the answers in the tools we had been given. So we yeah. sought elsewhere. So if you're listening and you identify with anything that Dr. Pedre has shared, or with my story, I too, as a child, was constantly sick with ear infections. I'm surprised I didn't have tubes put in my ears because I seemed like I had an ear infection multiple times a year, was on antibiotics, always had stomach problems. And so it took me decades to discover what we're talking about now. So anyone listening, definitely listen up because Dr. Pedre's book is amazing and he has programs that help people to rehabilitate their gut. Yeah, I kind of want to shorten the, like you said, it, it took several decades to really figure all this out. And part of my goal is to shorten that learning curve for people so they can heal their gut and, and heal their health. And, and like you said, like, I think of my IBS as, you know, for a while I thought it was a crutch. Now I look at it and I think it was a gift because it was the gift that motivated me to find other answers that led me to a much bigger picture of how we can create optimal health people. I think that is so beautifully said. I just want to emphasize that, that it was the gift because I say the same for people who are overweight, that it's a gift because it's telling you something's wrong and you need to look closer. Mm -hmm. So whatever your symptoms are, your negative health symptoms, it's not a message that you need a drug to get rid of it. It's a call from your body to look deeply inside and figure out why it's happening. 
And I, irritable bowel syndrome is, I really have a pet peeve about that diagnosis. It, it makes me angry because it's not really a diagnosis, it's just a symptom. And so basically what mainstream medicine is saying by giving that diagnosis is, we don't know why you have this. And under that is, we don't care enough to look under why you have this and use right. tools that are available. And so for people who might be suffering with irritable bowel, can you help them understand what are some of the causative factors? What are things they might want to look into? Oh, my goodness. So many things. You know, just think of the irritable bowel syndrome as, a, as an umbrella diagnosis that doesn't reveal what the true underlying cause is. So it could be as simple as that it's a dairy sensitivity or lactose intolerance, but it could also be a wheat gluten sensitivity or it could be multi-food sensitivities. A lot of people with IBS have a sensitivity to foods that fall in the FODMAP category. FODMAPs are foods like wheat, dairy, like I mentioned, but also sugar alcohols, some people are sensitive to even avocados, foods that have these uh, short chain carbohydrates that get fermented in the gut and produce gas and, and can cause diarrhea. Some of these people have SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, but they might have CIFO also, which no one really talks about as small intestinal fungal overgrowth. And I would say probably one of the biggest causative factors would be overexposure to antibiotics because that's going to lead to a dysbiosis or imbalance of the healthy gut flora. But it could also be triggered by infections. So it could be a parasite. There are parasites that cause acute infection, as I learned recently after returning from Africa and Mexico and acquired two parasites that were incredibly painful about two months ago. It's crazy. I was recovering from these parasites and it took me over two weeks to recover. And as I was recovering, then the coronavirus hit the US. So it was like one thing after the other. The other thing I want to mention here that can be a big causative factor are things that we think are really benign because they're available for us over the counter. And one of those is proton pump inhibitors, PPIs, or the, these very potent acid blocking medications that is the second most prescribed drug worldwide. And what it does is it alters the pH of your stomach. And by doing that, by raising the pH, which was evolutionarily designed to be where it's at to protect your intestine from any bacteria, yeast, mold that comes through the food that you eat, now things can get through and into the gut and cause imbalances in your gut health. So there are so many different things that can cause IBS. You can also, um, leaky gut syndrome is a really key and important component. Oftentimes, IBS is not caused by one thing, but usually an additive sum of several different things happening at the same time. Because when you get leaky gut, the brush border, so the it almost looks like a comb turned inwards, uh, the brush border of the small intestine, 
which is where we absorb most of our nutrients, when it gets damaged, then it doesn't send the signal to the pancreas appropriately to secrete all the pancreatic digestive uh, juices. And then you get pancreatic insufficiency. So you can see that as a problem. And a lot of people may suffer because they had their gallbladders removed and they don't get the bolus of bile that they would otherwise get if they had a normal functioning gallbladder. And I've seen a lot of people asking about that. You know, they can't tolerate fat anymore in in their meals because uh, now they don't have a gallbladder. So there's a lot of different possible causes. And it's basically like looking under the hood of the car and figuring out, okay, which pieces, which parts are out of balance and how can we bring the system back into balance so that it can function harmoniously again as a whole. Right. There's so many aspects of gut function that can be disruptive and cause IBS. And like you said, it's not usually one thing that's usually multiple problems. And then if it becomes severe enough inflammation, that's when we get inflammatory bowel disease like ulcerative colitis or Crohn's. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. I mean, those are also diseases that you have to wonder you know, what is the true underlying etiology? I know I met the founder of Biome, which is a, a genetic stool analysis uh, using PCR. And he had been doing a lot of studies on Crohn's patients and found that a lot of them had yeast overgrowth in the gut. And that that was partly the trigger for the Crohn's. Same thing for ulcerative colitis. I've seen patients uh, with ulcerative colitis diagnosed with a parasite. And as you know, parasites are very difficult to diagnose. And you treat the parasite and their ulcerative colitis uh, gets under control. But the other thing I want to mention that is really key and important, and it was exemplified recently by a patient that I had come in. He was a, a vegan. And what I had determined is he wasn't digesting food properly. So we worked on pancreatic insufficiency and the the brush border using a leaky gut formula. And so his issue was unpredictable bowel movements, like on the commute into work in New York City, like he had to know where all the bathrooms were because sometimes he would have emergencies. And the interesting thing with him is once we got a lot of the gut parameters much better, but he was still having intermittent issues that would pop up under stressful situations. And we determined that, you know, once his diet was, we had worked on improving the diet and improving the functioning of the gut, but the remaining factor was the gut brain connection. And it was really more when his reaction to stress, the way he felt it was in his gut and it would cause him to go and have to run to the bathroom. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this. So even with gut health issues, you have to also think about the very strong gut brain connection, which is bi-directional. I mean, we, a lot of times we talk about how important the gut is in terms of its signaling to the brain because more fibers on the vagus nerve are pointing up to the brain from the gut than down from the brain to the gut. But there is what I call the elephant in the room, and that's stress. And that's and especially the, 
the unidentified, unacknowledged stress because the person is so used to living with it that they become desensitized to it, but it still has a very powerful effect on their health. So a lot of times when I'm working with patients on gut healing, and it's what I talk about in my book, Happy Gut, it's not just a cleanse, a diet program, a eat this, not that. Because what I found is you cannot force healing on the gut if you're still that type A rushing through your lunch, gulping it down, running from meeting to meeting, not having any space to activate your parasympathetic nervous system, which is kind of like that. I like to describe it as the part of your nervous system that if it could speak, it would say, ah, it's that sigh that our bodies need. And the problem I see here in New York, and I think in our modern society, is a lot of people just drive themselves constantly on that sympathetic nervous system, which is putting out catecholamines, norepinephrine, epinephrine, which to me are an attack on the gut. And we found that these messengers, chemical messengers, also affect gut permeability in the gut microbiome. So they also can trigger leaky gut. We'll be right back after a short break. Hey, it's Dr. Kieran, and I have an invitation for you. I know you love the podcast because you're all about Her Brilliant Health Revolution, but did you know that I also have a YouTube channel where you'll learn Her Brilliant Health secrets, things you won't find in your doctor's office. There, I'll share videos with you each week talking about a different tool that you can use to heal, lose weight, increase your energy, and move your health in the right direction towards the brilliant health that you deserve. Find me at youtube.com forward slash Kieran Dunstan, MD. That's K-Y-R-I-N-D-U-N-S-T-O-N-M-D. I'll see you there. Welcome back. You really bring up an important point and you talk about it in the book, the emotional gut and the physical gut, the mind gut and the body gut connection. And so I think people, I call that uh, parasympathetic nervous system, the Buddha nervous system. <laughs> and then I call I the like sympathetic, that. the Hulk. <laughs> I, l- I like that. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And to really give people a visual and of what's going on. You got to basically develop your inner Buddha. Yes, you have to develop your inner Buddha. And it's interesting because you live in New York City and I grew up there. So I grew up in a very sympathetic driven environment. And that's how I learned how to be. And that's what my nervous system calibrated to. And I can't help but believe that that really contributed to my crash and burn in my 40s with my health. And now I live where it's peaceful and green and quiet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have to say that one thing that I've really appreciated about this quarantine here in New York City mm-hmm. is the, you know, since I've basically turned my practice into a virtual practice, it's allowed me to have, uh, because now I don't have that commute in the morning, it's allowed me to have much more balance in life because I've been doing all sorts of yoga routines. I've been discovering Tao yoga. I've been doing Kundalini breath. uh, And it's allowing even greater balance in life. And you realize once you have that, 
wow, like, and even for me, like I'm, I'm a meditator and all, but still you're running fast here in New York city and to be able to slow down and have more balance, you see what a, just a, how powerful that is for improving your health. Yeah. I also think that's another gift of this, what I'm calling a spiritual timeout that we're having is really to reevaluate what's important in our lives and turn inward and see how we're really driving ourselves and in a way that is promoting disease and really burning out our sympathetic nervous system, our cortisol, causing catabolism in our bodies and it's breaking down and and really just refocusing us. And so I really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you could say that this is the Earth's Buddha moment. Yes, it really is. And the Earth is getting to reboot herself. And the animals are reclaiming the land and, you know, there's clean air. I I read somewhere that in China, they usually have a high death rate from asthma because of the air pollution and that that has gone down to a significant degree. I don't know the exact numbers. Even heart disease. I mean, you see heart disease also triggered by exposure to car exhaust and pollution. So, so many of our modern diseases are toxin. We haven't even talked about that like exposure to toxins, pesticides, all that, that also affects the gut. Yeah. Do you want to touch on that? I did want to ask you also about symptom journals, but do you want to touch on the toxicity issue with the gut? I think that would be great. Yeah. I mean, a a lot of the pesticides that are used, uh, for example, glyphosate, which is not just used on GMO crop, which we know is problematic, but glyphosate is also used to desiccate wheat for harvest and wheat is not a GMO crop. And I learned, I didn't realize that they were also using glyphosate to desiccate oats for harvest. I had no idea about that. So then these foods can get contaminated with uh, glyphosate. And if you look up the patent on glyphosate, it's patented as an antimicrobial agent. So basically glyphosate is an antibiotic. It kills bacteria. And it not only kills bacteria in the soil that it's sprayed on, and we're seeing really bad alterations in bacterial composition in the soil where glyphosate has been sprayed on fields over and over. So you basically, the same thing that happens to humans in the soil, a dysbiosis of the soil where you get these unfriendly organisms growing, these bacteria. Well, in the gut, it can also affect the balance of good and bad, these pesticides, exposure to mercury as well is problematic. It's really important to think about what is coming through your mouth and into your digestive system because that's the one of the biggest avenues aside from your skin that toxins can get absorbed. And then if you're not having regular bowel movements, and this is really important for women because I'm sure you see this, like a lot of women nowadays are becoming estrogen dominant. And part of that could be because of the bacterial composition in the gut. There's an enzyme in certain bacteria called beta-glucuronidase. And what that enzyme can do is when estrogen is metabolized and excreted out of the body through the bile into the, the gut, it's excreted with an anchor, so like glutathione. And beta-glucuronidase can come in and basically cut the anchor off. And by doing that, it allows the estrogen to recirculate back into the body. And you see women becoming 
estrogen dominant, they get fibrocystic breasts, they get heavier periods. And this is really important because estrogen is a growth hormone. So you obviously a factor in, in uh, breast cancer. So there's, you know, you have to think that the, the gut is the, it's not only our, where we absorb our nutrition, but it's also our most important detox organ, along with the liver and the kidneys. Yeah, so, so thank you for highlighting those points. And the beta-glucuronidase issue is huge. And estrogen dominance, I sometimes say we're estrogen nation because we are so progesterone deficient. And I always like to say progesterone is the weight loss, diuretic, anti-anxiety, anti-depression, happy, feel-good hormone. And estrogen, we need enough of it, but when we have too much, it's the weight gain, water retention, PMS, anxiety, depression, unhappy hormone. I have to say even, you know, that I've, I've recently become very in tune with oxytocin mm-hmm. uh, and, the, and the importance of oxytocin because everybody thinks of, you know, this, the stress hormone is cortisol, well, oxytocin is the opposing hormone. It's what kind of calms down the cortisol levels. And it's that, that bonding hormone. It's what bonds a mother to their baby when they're breastfeeding. But also it, it's, I think in our modern society, it's a hormone that is also under, not uh, along with progesterone, I think it's another hormone that's under attack because we're, we don't do enough things to promote oxytocin secretion. Oh, I, you are so right. And particularly now with the social distancing, which I don't like that term. I, I like to say physical distancing because we we need social connection and actually we're hardwired for facial recognition and eye-to-eye gazing. And that helps our oxytocin to be higher and calm down our cortisol. And so many of us are missing that as well as the physical touch. So. Yes. You're so right. So whatever you can do, if you're listening to stay socially connected and, you know, get on a video chat Zoom call and do some eye gazing and, you know, have virtual hugging. um, It's so important, really important. I love in the book how you talk, you have people using journals, symptom journals. Can you talk about the use of symptom journals? It's something that I have always had women do. And I would love to hear your take on why it's important, what you would have people include in the journals, and basically what's the basis for your philosophy? Yeah, I I would say the number one reason is increasing the body-mind connection, or I should say body awareness. Because a lot of people are just not connected. They're living in their body, but they're not connected to their body. So they're not very aware of when they eat something, how does it make them feel? They're just not paying attention to that. So I think a food symptom journal is really important for first developing body awareness, but second, developing an intuitive guidance around what you should eat and what you should not eat. If you start writing down like I ate, I went off the track and and I ate a a donut and then in your symptom journal you're writing 30 minutes after eating the donut I feel sleepy, I feel kind of mentally foggy, my stomach doesn't feel so well. You know, cuz we tend to forget things over time. So by logging it and writing it, it just kind of really gets it to sink in. But at the same token, 
you know, I think it's really powerful. Like sometimes I find it's, it's really helpful with patients because, you know, patients a lot of times come in, they're like, well, what should I, what should I not eat? And, and part of it is an intuitive awareness. You know, you can't possibly tell a patient every list of food and how it's going to behave in their body. So part of what I, I want teacher people to learn is, or to teach people is to almost be their own doctor, to return to that intuitive awareness that we had as humans in evolutionarily, you know, people were much more connected with the land and the rhythms and, and knowing what to eat when. And I think we've lost a lot of that. And when you, I've had people document food and their symptoms, you know, like what their reactions be and you're, and you're documenting anything. So it doesn't have to just be gut. It could be that your nose suddenly gets congested after you ate something or you feel, you feel really tired or you feel achy an hour later. Those are all hints that what you ate is in agreement with you. And I can tell you more often than not, when I have people do that, they come back and they tell me, okay, I know what I was doing wrong, or I know what's causing my symptoms. And I think that's such a beautiful thing for the person to be able to discover that for themselves, because it's like teaching somebody to fish. You know, it's like once they know how to discover that, then they can continue to enhance their intuitive awareness around food and how it affects their body to make better choices for themselves. Yeah, I love that. And I wholeheartedly agree that we really have abdicated responsibility and authority for our health to healthcare providers. And we, we've come to believe that the do- it's the doctor who fixes me with a drug. And the truth is that the body knows how to heal itself when it has the right tools and when there's nothing interfering. And so I I really see myself as a guide and a partner. I can think of a woman I'm working with recently. I see a, a lot, most of my clients are perimenopausal, menopausal, but I also have a a lot of clientele who are in their 20s, 20-year-old women with bowel problems, believe it or not. Mm. And working with one woman in particular, and I use a lot of homeopathics and spergurgics and, and energetic technologies. And I kind of give guidelines about how to dose yourself and increase your dose. And you have to pay attention to your body very closely, what it's telling you. And um, she was messaging me and saying, I don't know if I should go up. I don't know what I tell me when I should go up. And I said, well, this is for you to start listening to your body and dialogue with your body. I'm not the authority on your body. Your body is. And mm. so really to for her to start fostering that intimate connection. And this is so new to her and to everyone else who I talk to about this, they say, well, no doctors ever told me this. They always tell me, well, take this drug or do this because I said so. Yeah, it's it's a very paternalistic, the old style of medicine. And, and I see the, the new, the new, the old style is the doctor and the patient are sitting across from a table. And I think the new style is we're both looking down a path together and we're walking that path together and it's more of a, it's a collaboration and it's more like we are teachers guiding people. You know, sometimes, sometimes I think of myself, I'm just a body interpreter, you know, I'm just help people that I help people's bodies communicate with them, what they're trying to tell them. 
That's I love that. Yeah, so you're the body whisperer. Sometimes that's what I feel. You know, us as as health practitioners, we're just making, bringing into people's awareness what their bodies have been trying to tell them for a long time, and they were just not listening. Right. So we're translators, really. <laughs> yeah. We are. Translators and guides. Body translators. I wanted to, um, since you mentioned younger women, uh, it made me think of birth control, which is so commonly prescribed in that age. And I just wanted to mention the connection between birth control and gut health, because we know that the birth control pill will increase gut permeability. So it can also be another contributor to leaky gut that I was speaking about earlier that causes so many different problems with digestion and with health, including weight gain because of the inflammation that happens when you get a leaky gut. So that's another thing for women to be aware of. Isn't that interesting? I did not know it increased leaky gut. I'll have to add that to the reasons why I'm not a fan of the birth control pill. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of a lot of women don't don't do well with that. Yeah. Well, for yeah. many reasons. And now I can, I'll add that. And I could just talk with you for a long time because I feel very aligned with your philosophy of health, your holistic views, your kind of approach to patients. And I think you've just added so much value and information for everybody listening. I know that you've got your book, Happy Gut. It's available online. And then you did have a free gift. I wonder if you could tell everyone about that program that you're offering. Yeah. So my free gift is found at Happy Gut life.com forward slash gift. And it's basically kind of like the cliff notes to my book. It's a quick start guide. So if you're wondering, okay, I've got some gut health issues or have things that are related to gut health. So it could be skin rashes, hives, could be allergic diseases like asthma, eczema, allergies, or even migraines are related to gut health. So if you have these things and you're wondering, well, where do I get started? So this is basically a quick start guide to how you get a happy gut. Wonderful. Thank you so much for that. And we will put the link in the show notes so everybody can have that. And then I would love to ask you just a few questions I like to ask all my guests before we go. What is your number one health practice? for you yourself personally? I'm gonna say it's meditation. Interesting. I really do think it's meditation because in the quiet of meditation, I feel my nervous system rebalance itself. I feel grounded. I feel more present and aware, more intuitive with my body and recognize what I want and what I don't want and what I find that is really interesting that has switch for me ever since I've been at home and meditating more and just really activating my parasympathetic nervous system is that I started experimenting with intermittent fasting and not eating after dinner. And before when I was, you know, working and and stressed and, you know, running around all over the place, I had those 10 p.m. cravings. And now that I'm kind of like more in a really balanced state, and I'm going to say meditation is a key part of that, I don't have any cravings after I finish dinner. So I just fast until the next morning. Uh, So I found that that is, there's so many ramifications, uh, so many benefits between health and mental health. 
with meditation that I, I would say that's my number one. I love that. It's probably my number one too. And uh, what about, what is your superpower? <laughs> that's a, that, that was a tough one. Um, actually, I was in a, a workshop that we put together um, as friends on New Year's Eve day. Uh, to before New Year's Eve, we we did a, a workshop with each other, and and part of it was like, what is your superpower? I think one of my my superpowers, uh, jokingly, one of the person said my superpower is dancing salsa, which because <laughs> I'm Cuban, but I think one of my superpowers, I have the ability to make people feel safe enough to share things with me. This happens with friends, this happens with patients. I just have this ability to create a safe space for people to share things that they need to share. Oh, I love that. And lastly, the name of the podcast is Her Brilliant Health Revolution. What does Her Brilliant Health mean to you? You know, when I think of Her Brilliant Health, I think of health that is not just superficial or internal, but health that you can see like it glows, like the person is glowing. And to me, that is the combination of mind, body and spirit all being in balance and actualized in the person living from their passion and doing the things that they love in life. That to me is her brilliant health. I love that. That is so beautiful. So beautifully said. Dr. Vincent Pedre, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for sharing your expertise and your path and your purpose, but mostly for sharing your heart. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. What a great conversation. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media and send it to someone who would benefit from it. If you love the show and really want to support it, please go to iTunes, write a review and subscribe. This helps other women find us so that they too can heal and enjoy brilliant health. I've got a gift for you. If you take a screenshot of your review, Post it on your social media and tag me. I'll send you a special surprise right to your inbox. Thank you so much for joining me. And remember, healing and getting optimally healthy isn't magic, it's science. <laughs>